And welcome into this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We continue recap coverage from last week's cattle industry convention at NCBA trade show in New Orleans, Louisiana. I got a chance to catch up with Lance Zimmerman, senior analyst, animal protein on the beef side with Bank. He released a new report right ahead of the cattle industry convention and right after the latest cattle inventory report. Let's get his thoughts on the cattle inventory report, his report, and more. Here's that interview with Lance Zimmerman. I know you just released a new report this week looking at the cattle industry. We'll get to that in a second. Love to get your thoughts, though, on the cattle inventory report out here earlier this week. I know it looked like a lot of those numbers came in as expected, showing that contraction of the cattle herd here in the U.S., Lance. Yeah, everybody was obviously focused in this meeting on the beef cow number. And I would tell you that based on pre-report expectations, it came in mostly in line with what we all would have thought. A cow herd decline year over year of about a million head or 4%. Um, But I would tell you a year ago at this time, if we were all sitting here, we'd have been jarred by that big a number, uh, but that big a decline, right? Um, We basically revisited now the 2014 lows, which if you think about that, that was the tightest cattle number we had, beef cow number, since 19. 62. And so that's that's the headline uh, from the report this week. And what does that mean going forward? Well, and thinking about what that means going forward, obviously, I wonder what that's going to do for our, our markets. What's that going to do for feedlot country, cash trade? So many implications. We keep contracting that beef herd have to think that's bullish for prices right now, Lance. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that we got to watch. I tell everybody in the countryside, first, we got to get green grass around us again. Then we got to watch the feed prices, what's going on there, what that means to our cattle feeding friends, because they need to make sure they have consistent profitability going forward. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the consumer has to pay the bill. And so as we look at beef prices today, they're 50 cents off roughly from their all-time highs back in the fall of 2021. And you got a cash strap consumer and we got an abundant supply of pork and poultry around us. And so how do we navigate a higher beef price environment to basically fund the next expansion? Yeah, and that's a great point you make, too. We got this ample supply of pork, poultry sitting out there, too. We're seeing the competition in the grocery store, at the meat case. I think some of that retail demand as well, that's going to be another aspect that we have to watch in these markets as a whole. Yeah, and that's one of the things we put together. As you mentioned, we released a research paper right ahead of convention, not so fast as the title of it. Your listeners can go to Robbo Research, Food and Agribusiness, just Google it, Bing it, whatever you do. The report will be one of the first few, and we just talk through these different headwinds, the challenges that are facing this next rebuild. Uh, I had a producer joke with me that cattle cycles last 10 years, but cattle producer memories only last seven. And so when you think back to 14 and 15, the reason it was explosive is because the consumer paid for it. We had explosive demand at the retail segment. Per capita, beef, pork, and poultry supplies were 40 pounds smaller than where they are today. So we had a consumer that was starved for all things animal protein. Today, they have an abundance of protein and choices. So yes, supply are declining, but the upward price responses that we need to fuel the next expansion and get that pass through from high beef prices down to high cattle prices isn't as clear. Those signals and how that's going to translate over the next several years aren't as concrete as what we went through in the past. Well, and looking at some of those factors and numbers that aren't concrete, and when you look at your report, 
what are we thinking here? Are we looking 24, 25, 26, 27? What are your thoughts on maybe some of that rebuilding of the herd and the translation over to prices, et cetera? Yeah, as I mentioned, first thing we got to do is look at green grass, right? Yeah. And yeah. let's talk about weather for just a second. We all recognize, we all watch, right? El Nino versus La Nina. And Jesse, that's the extent of my Spanish. But we're transitioning <laughs> out of El Nino, right? But everybody said we're only going into a more neutral kind of holding pattern. And that exists today through basically late spring, early summer. Then we have the prospect of being more in a La Nina, or La Nina cooler, wetter cycle towards the end of the year. Well, that's already too late for most of our cow-calf producers who calve in this time window, send out to pasture in the spring. That means pretty suspect pasture conditions are probably going to persist through most of this spring and early summer period, which means we're going to probably be in another liquidation phase, maybe not as strong as we were this past year, but still a liquidation phase this year, maybe into the early parts of 2024 as well, which means for us, beef production is going to continue to decline all the way into 2026 as we pull heifers out of the, the cow herd to keep back for herd replacements. Well, and I think about this too. You think about, you know, not having that green grass out there. Well, also corn prices, you know, you got $6, $7 corn trying to put corn in the feed bunk or wheat even in the feed bunk at a high price. That's not helpful to producers either, Lance. No, you're right. And you think about those high feed grain prices, they're a benefit to our grain farmers. Yes. And obviously the first big surge we saw in those, especially when we talk about corns and, and beans, came with the renewable fuel standard back in 2008 and that supported the corn market as the ethanol industry bloomed. We're kind of facing the second version of that today with the demand for renewable diesel. And if you have $15 beans for a nice round number, you're going to have to keep corn prices high just to keep acreage comparable. And when you look at our feed grain space for livestock feed, we've become very dependent on corn. And so are we moving that demand curve out into the right, as we like to say as economists, where even if we rebuild supplies, prices stay elevated? That's going to keep a lid on cattle feeder profitability and in turn potentially keep a lid on how much, how many dollars they can pass down to the stalker operator, the backgrounder, the cow-calf guy. Well, I know you've got, got your crystal ball out here. We've been talking about that with your report that you just released. And again, we'll post a link to that as well on our website. But Lance, just... Something for producers to keep in mind here as they're working into 2023 more. What would you say to them as you're looking at all this different data and headwinds, and et cetera, surrounding the beef market? My biggest thing that I'm telling them is first, know your break even. You know, especially as a cow-calf segment, a lot of times we just kind of do some offhand cocktail napkin math, maybe talk through it at the kitchen table, sharpen your pencil get out a spreadsheet. If you don't know how to use a spreadsheet, ask somebody in the family to help you. Really whittle down the cost side of the equation. Understand where you're at. Because if you want to be retaining heifers, if you want to be buying some cows back, you need to know what your cost structure is. I always tell guys that want to get in the cow business, you're married to your spouse, let's not be married to cows too. And so let's figure that out first. And then if we can do that, we can navigate the next steps. Because we got interest rates today also incredibly high. If you think back to the prior expansion, that interest rate was around three and a quarter percent. Today it's seven and a half percent. Even if bred heifers are $2,000 today like they were at the last start of the last expansion, that's $400 in additional interest cost. And so know your cost now so that you can figure out what you can pay going forward to fuel that next rebuild, which is probably still in earnest two years away, but it gives you a chance to plan and anticipate for it. Senior Analyst with Animal Protein at Robble Bank, Lance Zimmerman. Thanks for joining us here at the Cattle Industry Convention. We appreciate the time. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate your time as well.
And again, that is from last week's Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show in New Orleans, Louisiana, talking with Lance Zimmerman of Rabobank. That is going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.